This is TDTF Pod. I'm Jonathan Ariella. Brevity. Generation gap. Everything I'm about to say, I just am reminding you that I am not studied. Anything on these lines are opinions and my own personal observations. And with anything that I say in this lovely podcast, and what anyone says, pretty much anywhere, take it with a grain of salt. Consider the information. Roll it around. I've been trying to understand the older and younger people in my family. I've got a big family. And because I'm family, that translates into a couple problems. One, we're all over the place, across the country. But those that are closer by that I actually maintain some resemblance of relationship with tend to be in, you know, Colorado, my home state, maybe some California, New Mexico, Idaho. And so our ideas are very, very different. I've got one cousin in particular who I find exasperating. He drinks from the Fox News font, that tainted water of information. The poisoned well. And not only that, but there's a generational difference between him and I. I begin to think that some of the differences in ideas comes from culture. That what Fox is selling isn't a particular ideology, but a culture that has some ideas in it, but it's an identity. Say, for example, country music. Now, country music has a particular theme. It has a feel, a taste. Twang of a steel guitar, an odd drawl. Whether that person actually has that drawl or not, they take on that persona for the performance of country music so that they can get what they were looking for. All them girls and boys. They're trying to attach themselves to something, to an identity, to a culture. Someone who wears cowboy boots, tight-fitting Wrangler brand jeans, flannel shirts, discount tees, and large belt buckles and straps of leather around their waist cowboy hats. Chewing Copenhagen brand tobacco. You see the person there? That idea? The thing is, is that clothes are one of fashion, yes. A statement about taste and personality. Something that expresses something of yourself. Or gives a certain emotion, elicits when you look at them. Cheery, suave, sexy, mature, grown, matronly, paternal. 
rebel. The thing about rebellion is that it comes in a lot of forms. And rebellion is one of generations. Because it has to have some sort of establishment in which to rebel from. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So this branding of what country looks like. Cowboy boots are things that make sense if you ride a horse. They are things that are designed to be able to protect you from mud and weather, as well as from scuffs and scrapes. They're pretty tough. They can be, anyway. Being able to handle the elements and manage to fit in the stirrups without getting caught. And the heel itself is one that's positioned so that it's right there in the middle of the arch of your foot. Or at least that gap is. So when you put your foot into the stirrup, you can support yourself the best. And it's kind of like a stopping point when it hits the heel. Because you're not going to be riding on your toes exactly. The cowboy hat makes sense. It's wide-mimmed, keeps the sun out, but curls up at the edges. It kind of acts like a little bit of a funnel for sound, allowing to catch smaller sounds from down below. Because again, you're on a horse. You want to be able to hear things behind you as well. And so the way that the curve is, the fact that the front tips up and dips down like it does, so that the tip of it you can point towards the sun as it gets lower and still see around, kind of like the sun visor inside of your car. Generally speaking, cowboy cats are... Cowboy cats? Hats are made out of leather and can be weatherproofed from rain and keep the wind out to some degree. A good fitting hat sits snug and even in a decent bit of wind won't fall off despite it being a wide brim. Often you'll see ones with straps. The bit of string that goes down so that if the wind does catches it, catches it, at least it'll be caught around your neck and it won't lose it. It serves a function. At least it used to. Now it's a fashion statement. There are people who really do have use of such a thing. It makes sense. Because they still run cattle. All the beef that you have on your plate was dealt with ranchers to some degree, especially in the United States, but also other parts of the country, the Gallo, in other areas, South America, Mexico. Was it Gallo or Gaucho? I think it's Gaucho. Anyway, language, fun stuff. The thing is, is that for the rest of people, it's not about that. Because it's about the brand. About the Copenhagen brand tobacco. The Wrangler jeans. The Stetson hat. These are all things that attach themselves to culture. Look like this. If you look like this and you look just right, you'll get the kind of girl that you want tonight. It's one of those things. It's about sex and advertisement of yourself, being a bit of a peacock. And some of the more fancy-looking cowboy boots, you can see that too. Or the cowgirl hats that have the high-end tip and a bit of bright string and thread that weaves through it, or a feather. Whatever. 
posturing. It's part of an identity. But it's not just the clothes. There's also a mentality. Trying to say that you're of the salt of the earth. Down in the grit and the grime. Out on the wild plains. Even if you're in the middle of the largest metropolitan city in the United States. It's counterintuitive. Contradictory. Someone wearing a cowboy getup in the middle of New York City who lives there, born and raised, knows nothing when it comes to running on a ranch. The shit and the piss and the blood. It's just a facade, a mask that they wear. Additionally, it's associated with conservatism. People in rural areas being conservative. Religious values, family first. You gotta take care of yours and your kin. I'll help you out as best as I can, cause I, you know, that's the kind of person I am. But I don't want no government being involved in my life. Smaller the government, the better. I want the kind of government that I can drown in a bathtub. Or whatever terminology and turn of phrase is there. You're getting the idea that this is a branding thing. Something to be sold. Something to be bought. And so the music industry, following along with those tastes, the clothing industry doing the same, and the culture that's attached to it as well. Each generation has their rebellion. And it just so happens that ours is, in a manner of speaking, one of that. That the country idea is one of independence, self-sufficiency. I can live off the land, I'll go in those mountains, take my gun, get me some deer, I'll have enough meat to feed the family forever. Well, I got my ranch and I got my farm, we'll be all right, no problem. All you shitty folk with your, with your Zikas and your, your Coronos, don't matter to me none. I'm out here by myself. Just worried about me and mine. You get on my property, I'll get a couple extra holes, you hear what I'm saying? Because what they're trying to do is like with any slang, with any kind of culture identity, is differentiating themselves from others. So that if you can see someone wearing the cowboy hat and the cowboy boots and the jeans, you can say, all right, all right, you wear my colors, but can you, can you talk the talk? Can you walk the walk? It's identity. Because it's only one thing to be able to wear the colors of whatever gang that you're associated with. You've got to know the code. You've got to know the secret words, (laughs) terminologies, slang terms, ideals to be able to fit in. And it doesn't matter if it's country, or punk, or steampunk, or furry. You've got to be a part of that culture. And the culture changes year after year after year. That does. It also tries to stay the same. But why? Why does it try to stay the same? Culture is one of constant change. It adapts to the situation and adjusts. 
but so too does it maintain whatever its traditions are and try to stick to them as best as it can. And it might do things that are rather distasteful, as you can see with certain conservative, hyper-religious folks kicking their kids out because they're gay, or disowning their one child they decided to go to college instead of being homeschooled, or whatever. They can do some mean things, brutal things to themselves in order to maintain that tradition. Tradition, which essentially means nothing, really. In the grand scheme of things, the existential dread of it all, none of it matters, really. We are the speck in the pale blue dot. And so, realistically speaking, it's just a bunch of humans deciding this is what matters. And all of the shit that they do in standing of that is because of them. And not because of this tradition. It's their cruelty, not their gods. For the gods are fictitious. Their culture and their branding is fictitious. Well, except for the branding a little bit. The branding is one of itself. It's a company. Who makes money off of this? Wranglers being the only official jeans that you can wear inside of the bull riding competitions. You only can wear Wranglers, nothing else. It's a brand. The Nike swoosh on the logos of jerseys of football players. American football, not, you know, soccer football. The football that makes exact sense because it's actually using your fucking feet and the ball. Whatever. But that's what I mean, it's a brand. Companies have interest in maintaining a part of that. It's their niche that they've filled. Their interest is in maintaining it, having this image, so that when you think of country, you think of that. You think of their product. When you think of rich, privilege, you say Gucci. When you think of poverty, you think of Walmart. They are brands in order to increase their profits. That's what that's about. So every time you get some niche, some new counterculture, basically just a different culture, that is trying to counteract or go against, rebel against the previous, they start trying to figure out ways to differentiate themselves from the other so that they can become the other, that is. Wearing leather jackets with studs in them, or spiked collars, mohawks, different colors of hair, your punk rock. Despite the fact that a big part of the punk rock idea, where it came from, is from the, well, gay culture, honestly. You know one of the ways in order to avoid being preyed upon or beaten? Because that's what happened. That's what happens still sometimes. As you look tough, you look like someone no one would want to fuck with. And so what's the best way to do that? To look strange, different, violent, like a warrior of old. Punk rock. But then it got acculturated, is that the word? Appropriation. Somebody wanted to make money off of it, normalize that thing. And now you've got a hot topic. 
an organization that's dedicated towards that particular type of culture. Or someone who's goth. Back before it was something that was dealt with in commercialization. That's the word I was looking for. You'd have to figure out means by which to get it. Old antique shops. Piecing your outfit together. Finding the right amount of makeup or not. And having a theme of feel. And not just that, but also loving the kind of things that a goth might. Whether it's a Victorian era, or a steampunky era, or what have you. It doesn't matter. Each has their own. And that is part of their identity. But then it becomes commercialized. Turned into a thing to be sold. Because eventually, the youth that forms that counterculture and the older veterans that helped establish a group and organization to be a part of, they get old enough too. And they want to sell something to their friends so that they don't have to struggle as hard. They don't have to work as hard and suffer, really, to try to find that part of their identity and offer an easier way to become one of them. It's rooted in a fundamentally good thing. Or it might be not. Simply saying, ah, there's a bunch of weirdos. What are they like? Okay, fucking weird. Let's just sell them that shit. Great. And they make the money off them. Because even those that actually feel about this stuff and have a connection to its roots, eventually, they get old and want to leave and retire or something like that, and they get replaced by people who are there for the profits. Hopefully not, but then again, considering the likelihood of such a thing, we all understand that. Now back to the generations. The boomers, the end of World War II, a massive wave of babies. There's the early boomers, those that were born because of, well, they were going to war, so they made a child. And then there's the later boomers that came after when the soldiers got home. They're very different breeds, in a way. They're raised in different times. Even a few years difference. But when they got home, those soldiers, society had changed a lot. Rosie the Riveter, common example. It's part of it. Just a part. It's not the whole picture of, of feminism and everything. Sure, it's, a, it's involved. It's always more complex. The nuance is always there. And anything, any idea that you have is going to be more nuanced. And I realize that. I realize that about my own assertions now. But basically, the boomers were born in a ter- an era that... A time that is one of milk and honey for the United States. Amazing things. New technologies all the time. Great, large changes in all of them. And the later you are born on that boomer wave, whether the first kid, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and on and on, depending on what area you're from, realizing that you're going to have it okay. And things were so much cheaper back then. 
so much, not only considering inflation and the time scale between point A and point B, but genuinely cheaper. Especially to now. And so they had opportunities, many an opportunity, that if you worked hard, you could pull yourself up by your bootstraps and go and do and produce. And eventually those boomers, the earlier ones, the first wave, they started having kids. And those became Gen X. There were so many people in the boomers, so many Gen Xers out there. You know the song, Little Boxes? Little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes made of ticky-tacky. Little boxes on the hillside. Little boxes all the same. That one? A part of it is a protest on the way that culture became commercialized. That you could just go and do your job and have your family and drink your whiskey and have this little atomic family and everything would be fine and fucking dandy. But even then, there was differences in wage and culture and those with privilege and those without, mainly along demographic lines and different races. It's not some 100% hunky-dory milk and honey situation, of course not. There's always been poverty from beginning to end. But those in the Generation X, they were forced to look at this thing. Do I raise myself in the little boxes or do I strike myself out? Do I try to carve my own world? Be independent, fiercely so. And so you see people like, honestly now, Tony Hawk. Part of Gen X. Those that decided to be fierce bikers, not in the motorcycle style, but mountain bikes and the like, or rock climbing, and all of the extreme sports that were born out of it, and born out of privilege. Because someone who can afford the time to be able to do these things, or the money involved to do those things, even understanding that when you first started off with any culture, it's usually homegrown and difficult, and you have to make it yourself. And so there isn't a commercialization of it at that time. But they were fiercely independent. But some of them, some of them went to those little boxes made of ticky-tacky. And they found their job. And they worked their work. Whether the earlier wave of them, of the Gen X, or later. But they took that line, that idea that this is what it is. And so they look at the millennials now and Gen Z and they scoff. You guys aren't working hard. When I did, I worked hard. It was funny the other day. God, I don't actually want to say it a couple years ago when I think about it. The other day. A couple years ago, my wife and I were bored and we had a stack of old VHS tapes. They were home recorded, basically stolen off the TV, although I can either confirm it, uh, such a thing. <laughs> cough, cough, cough. But in it, there was advertisements for the TV that was recorded. And one of them was a brand new car, a new Buick, for $6,000. You could have a brand new car. Top of the line, with all the extra features. 
Six thousand fucking dollars. That's the kind of thing the Gen X was raised in. That was the era that they worked hard. They don't realize that shit has fucking changed. It's not like that anymore. And so they're scoffing at, oh, you're just lazy. What are you doing? Are you working for yourself? Are you paying your own way? Fuck you. You don't have to deal with the shit that we do. And as a millennial myself, I'm 33. People talk about millennials as though they're these brand new, like 18 years old and 20. Not anymore, no. That's Gen Z. That's the next around. It's a whole different ball game. A whole different sport. Fuck, a damn near different country. When I was raised, technology was new, burgeoning. I remember the first computer I ever touched was one of those old Macs inside a public school. With the green and black, where everything was all texted out and playing little educational games on it. And then, like a year or two later, we had some of the first Microsoft computers. With using a GUI, you could point and click at shit. It's amazing. I remember playing Oregon Trail on the old green and black. I remember later on using the GUI and just how much technology has changed from point A to point B. I remember a time when computers weren't a thing. I remember a time before NES, Nintendo. All of this I've grown into as time goes on. Gen Z, and even some of the later parts of the millennials. Because again, it's, it's not a grand cutoff. It's not like suddenly they're vastly different. It's a gradient. It changes and shifts over time. We just kind of artificially draw a line in the sand and say this is where they are. They were raised with it. Raised with a Super Nintendo, perhaps, or maybe with a PlayStation. Using consoles as kind of a weird measuring stick to see what era you're from. The PS2, the PS3, the PS4, and soon to be the PS5. Or whatever the next fucking thing is they come out with. And each one of those generations, millennials, or Gen Z, Gen X, boomers, were grown in different circumstances, different realities, because shit changed. So the rebellion from boomers was that fierce independence, saying, no, I don't want to be a part of your corporate organization. I'm going to go off and do my own fucking thing. Extreme sports and all the different things, the accoutrement, the commercialized accoutrement that are involved with it. And millennials later on were born in this era of technology and seeing that, you know what? All of this stuff, it's amazing. And we can do amazing things with it. Where you have a tech boom. And some of them managed to actually successfully keep Facebook being one. That's a millennial right there. Our 
people on YouTube. Some of the older ones that have, you know, 23 million different subscribers, 25. Part of the millennium generation as well. Because they did this thing, this little niche thing that was just a couple people being lonely in a cabin or, or out in their little home city, Cincinnati. And people liked it. And they bonded to it and grown and grown into this swell of community and being rather financially fine for themselves, having their own positions of power. In a weird, weird way, of course, but still. But those are rarities. There's not that many people out there who can make that kind of living off of it. There's a lot of working schmoes there that aren't the grand artists, comparing YouTubers to grand artists. Although there are some. There are some YouTubers that really are grand artists in some degree. Whether it's the art of comedy, the art of improv, or actual drawing, painting, digital or otherwise, film. They come into their own, going into their 30s, into their 40s, eventually. Millennials are an odd bunch, yes. And there's a lot of things. Rebellion. And one of the rebellion for millennials is an avoidance of technology. They saw the growing world of, of tech and say, no, not my. I'm not going to do it. This ain't part of it. I'm going to adopt this kind of draw, this kind of old idea of what society used to look like. Yeah, that's the brand. And maybe it's just because I'm out here in rural Utah that I see that kind of thing. But rural exists everywhere. Because cities have city limits. It's when you go outside of them where the population is fewer. But if you gather it all up, it's still a decent size. And they rebelled. And so, too, those that have adopted tech. They've rebelled as well, in their own way. Carving out different niches. And roosting in them. Settling down, whether on YouTube or TikTok, Twitter. Making their own website or platform. Doesn't matter. And all those little subcultures involved, whether it's a furry or... Still. And then the next. The thing is that each one of the generations forgets. Eventually, they forget that things are different now. And that whatever I was raised in is not the way the people are raised again. And each has the damage from the previous. Gen X are kind of shitty parents in their own right, as were boomers. Boomers being restrictive, saying you have to follow these things and otherwise it's just not right. But you have to follow the lines. Go to the job, get the thing, be the person, be producing, be the breadwinner. And Gen X are being part of this independence. But having to work a little bit harder because things weren't as good 
things became more difficult, but they still had the job, the opportunity. But now, being later in their years, they're having to work long past what they would think retirement would have been, the way that their parents had it. So you have a 65-year-old man who's still working at the moment. Because the retirement structure that was there got deconstructed, pulled apart, changed, lost. And millennials, especially the later ones, the both of their parents were working all the time. Because of that fierce independence, wanting to be free, that freedom also comes at the cost of not being home. Or if they are home, they want to do their own thing, and so they ignore you. And so some of us decided that, you know what, I am also selfish like that. I shouldn't have kids, so they don't. Or they might realize that, you know, it's really not my thing. I just don't want to. And if I don't want to, I don't have to, because you don't fucking have to. You don't have to follow along those lines. That little bit of fierce independence is also in them. Or some, like myself, were lucky where my mom stayed home. And I say lucky only in that I enjoy it. Not that there's some universal standard of considering what is good parenting and not. We can probably agree on what's not good parenting, but we definitely aren't going to agree on what is. That's a big part of it. So what that translates into is that because they're working all the time, or at least trying to ignore us to some degree, to have their own independence and their own, their own world, their own life, separate and apart from us, we kind of picked up on that too. So some of the millennials, especially the earlier wave, combined with the idea that you need to have this life, this, this good thing, following the lines like the boomer generation, that little bit of ideal, ideology trick, trickling and, and leaking across. So both of them work because the situation isn't as good. Shit's rot harder. Everything's more expensive. There's so much more to be had because all of these niches, as time goes on, builds up further and further, making things that much more expensive because they all fit into this niche. If you follow along one identity or the other, it becomes more expensive. Wrangler jeans are more expensive than the brands. Stetson. Hot topic. Whatever. It doesn't matter. In any direction that you go, eventually with time it'll become more expensive. Thus is capitalism. And so those early millennials having kids because both parents are working or the stresses of divorce because they don't have time to work on the relationships or they all have their fierce independence because that's what they're supposed to do. And also not having the greatest of example of parentage themselves because they were fundamentally selfish, pushed away. Is that a gross exaggeration to various degrees? I'm sure. So Gen Z was raised with technology, the babysitter, TV, movies, internet, smartphones, pushed aside because they had to work all the time. 
some of the later millennials, myself, or some that are a little bit younger than me, different. Because the parents grew up a bit. Maybe they were less selfish, more put together. Maybe more focused on whatever it is, being a family, or just even having fewer kids now because the rest have raised and left. So that what attention they do give can be more focused on a few kids. All the while, the standard of living and culture changes. So too smaller families. It makes it that much easier to focus on your children. When you only have a few. And each rebels. Rebels in their own way. And each has a downfall of various kinds. Whether we're born in privilege, money, or not. So then you see some bit of news about a bunch of people going down to Cabo. Or some beach doesn't have to be Cabo. It's just the first thing that comes to mind in the middle of a pandemic. And I think, why the fuck? Why would you do that? And the only thing that makes any sense has to do with the idea that of the various changes of culture. That Fox News is a culture. The boomers created it. An organization that is so focused. Because when you're in those little boxes and ticky-tacky, following the lines, if that's your morality, you realize how hollow that is? Because then it's not about actual good things. It's about following the rules. Even if those rules are essentially made up, because all rules really are. As long as you tick those boxes and pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that fierce independence of Gen X or whatever, then you're doing fine. You're doing what you need to do. Being concerned about other people isn't really a concern. Whether you're born into money or not. The people that went down to that beach, that traveled, they have the money. They have the privilege. So what I see is a bunch of spoiled children going down and flexing whatever that is. Their self-exceptionalism being so strong that they think that this is something that's immune to them. They can forget about it for a while, or that they have such lack of discipline. See how this is turning into one generation not understanding the next. Such a lack of discipline that they can't make themselves just deal with it. Like, dude, you have to make sacrifices. When the circumstance deals, it's not just something you can do sometimes. Because they were raised in circumstances that were like that. They only have to follow the rules sometimes that there are extenuating circumstances outside. Oh, it's fine, because, like... See how I did that? Because, like, I totally, like, was... Um, it's such a stereotype I'm kicking around, and I feel bad about it, but I think it's funny. Uh, <laughs> I'm turning into an old man. Um, because I, I was quarantined earlier, and I think I deserve a break. So I'm just going to forget about it and go down to this place and just have some fun, you know, just fuck it. 
At the same token, you could say that, you know, it's, it's partially not their fault. Just like it's not some of the millennials' fault about their shitty parents or the Gen Z themselves. Because boomers have done what they've done to information. They've made organizations like OAN and... Fuck, even though two degree, Bloomberg. Where they can take information and twist it and shift it and change it so it's something fucking completely different. And it's all about this spin, about this culture, about a brand you can sell. So you want to rebel? Buy my rebellion package. Everything's laid out right for you. Down to the spiky collar and the studded shoes. You want to rebel against a different group? Well, I've got the Wranglers for you. Wear these cowboy boots, chew Copenhagen brand tobacco, and spit in the face of other people's problems. You are taking care of yourself and your own. Join the Rebellion Package Cowboy Edition. You see? So it all loops together. But imagine being raised in a culture where you know that news is tainted. But also realizing that it's not something you're interested in or have the capability or desire to be able to pick up and really try to sift through the shit. So you ignore it, whole cloth, all of it, drawn out. So I heard in the news that something bad is happening, but you know what? I just wanted to have a good time, so forget it. Makes a little more sense then. But then take someone who's more deliberate. Because there's going to be some of them out there, I'm sure. The more thoughtful. Life is brutal and short and difficult and things change all the time. I can sit down and worry about it like my parents did. Or my grandparents do. Because I still see their posts on Facebook occasion because I made an account just because my mom wanted me to so I could talk to grandma or my aunt, my great aunt, grandee or grunkle, older cousins or whatever. But really, I don't spend that much time on it. Because why would I? And I'll put pictures of cool stuff that I've done that they can see. Because they were raised inside of the information age where you can be whatever personality you want. When you're on one server, you're one person. When you're on a different server, you're someone else entirely. Because you get to pick. Your identity is fungible. It's whatever you want to express at that time. It's whatever you want to be. In a way, it's wonderful. To think that you can just adapt to whatever the situation is. Like water being poured into a container. When water is poured into the cup, it becomes the cup. Good old Brees Lee. Good old Bruce Lee. The kind of adaptation is interesting. It's amazing in its own right. But it's also one of pretend. At least the shifting back and forth. As well as it being more the same as true. Because you are what you do and you do what you are. It's not about how or what you do, it's about how you do it. It's about those choices, about those back and forth. 
to odd kind of freedom that some of the older generation, myself included, feel jealous of. Wishing that I could adapt and just fit into whatever. But I can't. I'm too old and rigid, says the 33-year-old man. But also the sense of fear and concern. I can't let my freak flag fly. I'm stuck where I'm at. I was imagining those more conscientious individuals saying, you know what, I have no idea. None of the future that I thought I might have is guaranteed. <coughs> because those old bastards still clinging to life are controlling things. And I have no say in it. I have no say in the way Fox News operates, or Gen X listens to their bullshit, or some of the millennials listen to their bullshit. Fuck, even some of Gen Z do. The only thing I can control is myself. And if that means that I'm going to go to the beach because I have the choice to do so, that's what I'm going to do. Because I don't know what tomorrow brings. It's a strange combination of this freedom, this ability to be and do whatever. That technology has advanced so much and incorporated itself into you. So much that by the time you're a full-fledged adult, or by the time you're in your 30s or 40s, the world will be fundamentally different. Something big will happen. And whether you make it to that or not, what difference does it make? Because the retirement structures, all the things, the old systems that were built to try to help, designed by the boomers or the generation before, or even some of the Gen X, is so fucked with so modified and adjusted to the point of loophole after loophole after loophole that it only takes care of the rich none of it is a guarantee by the time Gen Z retires the social security structure as it stands will no longer function or exist and they won't have it why then? why then should you be so concerned about the future? and just do now I'm tempted to say YOLO, but realistically, that's kind of a millennial thing. A late millennial up into the point of maybe early Gen Z. And because change and adapts of memes and things like that shift so quickly, you know. Just like, ugh, okay. Where almost everything becomes eventually the old tired dad joke. I'm tired. Hi, tired. I'm dad because it changes so quickly. And everything changes so quickly. The expectation of something staying the same over a longer period of time is kind of illogical. It doesn't make sense. So focus on the now. Focus on the immediate. What am I going to do today? Tomorrow, there's no promises. Whatever promises were made, you're pretty sure no one's going to be able to keep them. And then I look at my little seven-year-old boy. And I think, my God, you're the next wave. The ones after. And what kind of fucked up shit am I going to be able to do to make your life harder or better? And I'm sorry. It sucks. Because the thing is, is that any sort of individual motion, any kind of change that I can make for my life, 
for the life of my children, my spouse, it only affects me. It doesn't shift culture. Culture shifts because many people make the change. And in a weird way, this, this, this quarantine is a part of it, as much as September 11th was for American culture. And in a weird degree, because of whether you look at it from a hegemony or something like that, the rest of the world, that you have all these authoritarian fuckers all over the goddamn place popping up. Late boomers, early Gen X, waving their dicks around, saying this is how things are going to be. And enough Gen X and even some of the millennials being like, oh yeah, okay, cool, let's do that, fuck it. Let's watch the shit burn down. Whether it's in a weird sense of like, you know, things are broken, we need to go back to the old ways, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean. Oftentimes, anyone who's saying that really doesn't understand history. And they have this Pollyanna version of it, thinking things are going to be just so, and they're fucking not. You want to go back to the old days before vaccines fucking existed? Congratulations on being able to see at least three of your children die. Hope you enjoy that. And a reminder of that when I looked at the death certificate of one of my uncles, who was only a year and some odd old, honestly about as old as my daughter, who died from whooping cough, pertussis. Yeah, I can't imagine. I do try though. Because I look at what we have right now with COVID and I think, fuck, that could be. Because of this, this pandemic, this wave due to globalism and the way that economic trade is back and forth, all this interconnectedness, including disease. And so I try to be careful. I stay inside of my car at work. I, I separate. I stay home when I'm not at work. And I try to think of ways in dealing with that. And going outside is a planned thing. It is intentional and very specific. This is the goal. This is what we're doing. Do we need to do it or not? Do we wait? Do we not? And the thing is, is that we've only got one case right now. One in my county. And I realize statistics and being what they are and how reporting is done, and how testing is done, and, and just a general lack of trust, because being rural and being rebellious includes avoidance of science and technology, because it's part of that Wrangler gene package. Government says it, so I, I'm just not going to do it, because they told me to. Rebellion. Fuck you. That's the way that a child throws a tantrum, because they don't want to eat their vegetables. And the thing is, is that I understand the idea of rebellion, being once rebellious myself in my own weird-ass way. It's part of life. But some people never grow out of it. And that isn't to say that rebellion is only one of tantrums. It's not. It's also about understanding the fundamental flaws of society. I understand wanting to avoid technology. 
that not wanting it to be everywhere all the time and that it can be damaging to yourself. That understanding that having screen time 100% is bad for the brain. The human being is not built for such things, whether it's because of blue light, using a blue light filter to mitigate it or disruptions to sleep patterns or the way that information is constant and so you have this weird div- twisted semi-delusional version of what reality is because what you're seeing is news news is things that are rare things that are exciting things that bleeds it leads and so you think the world is a lot worse than it actually is that people are a lot worse than they actually are and realizing that because people believe that then they do it They think that things are worse off than they really are, and then they batten down the hatches, and they say, no, fuck bringing in refugees that are dealing with this problem because I want to take care of me and mine without realizing or intentionally ignoring the fact that, no, it's not like that. It's not that simple. It's not something you just wipe away. Rebellion is one of response. There are problems with millennials and Gen X, Gen Z, boomers, all of us. Because (coughs) humans are humans still. The problems that we have are going to continue on and change and shift and adapt and become something else. And all of us are going to respond in one way or another and it won't be enough. And the problem that the next we'll have to deal with will be one That is not something we really anticipated. Because if we really had, in mass, we would have adapted and tried to prevent it. But human beings are short-sighted things. I only can see with my two eyes. I'm stuck in the position that I'm in right now. And I can't be beyond it. I can use information and the internet to be able to expand my vision, yes. But there are limits. Because there are shitty sources of information. OAN exists. Is it the fucking Hodge twins? Blaze? Breitbart? All of these organizations, their whole goal is to sell this idea their own version of rebellion. You want to feel a little rebellious? Carve out a piece of the world for yourself, different from the rest of the sheeple? Then you go to those sources. Or others. Fucking goop. Jesus Christ. there's so much information it's hard to filter through and so you lean on certain things and they may be fine for now but eventually eventually time will shift and change and whoever is running it will be something different someone different and they'll do things differently and who knows the only thing you can know is that it will change and then I'm still limited to my own two eyes the time that I have And also having that weird sense of self-independence that I got from the remnants of of Gen X and concern about self-sufficiency. Wanting my own identity and time carved out away from everyone else. 
enjoying that bit of isolation just a bit. Maybe it's just an adaptation of becoming a used to it, accustomed. Because that's what it is. It's a battle with yourself over everything. At least it is for me. I mean, you can obviously hear that. And it makes sense to think of a Gen Z person seeing the struggle that I'm having and be like, dude, you can just not. Like, the struggle and the issue and the pain of all of this, you don't have to do it. You could just stop. Do things that you enjoy. And fuck it. Pay attention to the relationships that you have and maintain. Sure, don't go off the deep end and focus on just that there are things that are important but are they important right now are they more important than spending time with your children and trying to make sure that they're better people to be a better parent than what I got It's all looping. And the gap grows ever wider. This is TDTF Pod. I'm Jonathan Ariella. Thanks for coming along for the ride. I'll talk to you soon.